0: what's going on guys Pete and Trey with the one cast coming at you from Martinsville Virginia Angler's Choice open house uh, we're going to be hanging out here today we're going to grab some anglers some vendors uh, hear some stories talk about some stuff you might hear some background noise the the announcements stuff going on uh, but yeah it's going to be a fun one so make sure you check it out and uh, we'll see you
1: that's a good one that's a good oh god it's a toad it's a toad f- dude let's go I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad
2: day. Hey, guys, check it out. The OneCast is here at Angler's Choice Marina, Martinsville, Virginia. We are, uh, we, we are honored to have uh, Matt Airey as a guest for probably over the next 10 minutes because you got a lot of stuff going on. So we appreciate you joining us here. Um, man, what's going on in your world right now?
3: Well, I've I've got a house full of women, so that's, <laughs> that's uh, and when I say that, I've got an eleven year old daughter, a six year old daughter, and, uh, and of course my wife, and well, even my dog's a female. I got a female golden retriever now, so yeah, I'm surrounded by females at home. But no, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's been a busy off season for us. We uh, um, the girls have all of a sudden become Swifties. Imagine that, right? Yeah, so, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and I was joking with somebody the other day because I said the funny thing about this is this Sunday. Let's see. I don't know what the date is, but uh, the Chiefs are playing, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, their second round, second round of playoffs. Is that right? Maybe. Second I think a, that's a semifinal. Yeah. It's a semifinal. Yeah, yeah. It's a championship. is how much I keep up with NFL football. Uh, I'm with you. But, yeah. Well, I'm a I'm Panthers kidding. fan, so I just <laughs> I went right down the toilet with him this year and kind of put following on it.
2: That's a uh, diehard uh, commitment right there. Hey, I'm,
3: hey look, I, I'm not a bandwagoner. Yeah, I'm going to stick by him. Just like I graduated from NC State, I'm going to stick by him. Regardless. There you
2: go. We've stuck by
3: our Wolfpack through a lot of good and bad over the years. So. Absolutely. But no, we're having a, uh, uh, all of a sudden we're having an NFL football party at the house this Sunday, and I. I was not even aware until (laughs) about two or three days ago because the girls are all fired up. And, you know, here's the thing, like down in the shop, I've got a TV. So me and the boys, the husbands of the ladies that are coming over and they have one son. And uh, then there's multiple other little girls coming over, their kids. And and I'm just going to I'm going to leave the TV in the house to the women. So when they they see a glimpse of Travis Kelsey and or Taylor Swift, they can go to screaming and do thing. (laughs) And I'm going to be down in the shop with the boys and we can actually watch a football game and see what happens.
2: That's good, man. So a uh, a serious question, we did an episode um, a while back and it was talking about, you know, the F1 bass introduction into three separate lakes in North Carolina. And mm-hmm. I don't know your involvement in that. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of people that are for it. There's a lot of people that are against it. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, uh, introducing those F1 bass into our, our lakes?
3: Well, the little bit that I know about it, I, I think the the three test lakes, so to speak, is, is what uh, Marty actually explained to me last year at, mm-hmm. at, at this specific show. And he was talking about the water quality. They wanted to introduce those fish into three different lakes that were on different levels of water quality, Norman being the lowest water quality. And then I think it was Gaston was that one. That's so right, that's yeah. kind of a middle of the road. And then um, Jordan. Yeah, it was Jordan. So mm-hmm. I was know it was on, on that, that system, but, um, and Jordan being the most fertile by yep. far. Um, I'll be interested to see uh, what Jordan does and what, because Jordan's already producing giants. It's produced yeah. giants for years. <laughs> and I'm sure it's because of, uh, you know how fertile that system is, and and just the way it sets up, and and where it's located, and things like that. Norman is going to be the most interesting subject, right? Because mm-hmm. that lake um, is dominated by spotted bass, uh, super gin clear, and and you know sixty to seventy five percent of the lake. I mean, the majority of the time. This year is a little bit different. We've had torrential floods for like a month, but um, it's in a unique state uh, right now. I hadn't seen that in years. I think the water is as high as it's been in in, in years and years and years. At wow. Normal. But but Norman is definitely going to be um the one that i'm most interested in seeing as far as the growth rate if they survive number one I, you know if it, it, my take my take is when you dump a bunch of fingerlings unless they're seven or eight inches long into a lake slam full of spotted bass they're gonna get water it, yeah it, they get <laughs> they get chomped on because right. spotted bass will eat anything and everything and of course there's a pretty pretty good population of hybrids in lake norman now too and um you know i that's that really piqued my interest when they said Norman because I, I mean a lot of the local guys are really on board about it. I'm not against it or or for the Norman deal, but I think it's a good I think it was a good move to see how, you know, will it take to a lake of this quality. So I I'm hey, I'm excited to see what happens. I mean Norman's the closest lake I've got to the house as far as a um a lake where you can go out and practice techniques from top to bottom you can catch a fish 12 months out of the year doing about whatever you want that might be a 12 inch spot but you still get your you're going to catch right. yeah you're gonna yeah. catch something so um yeah if there's seven eight nine pound f1's in there in a few years you're not gonna see me that's a plan
2: <laughs> well you know speaking of that so we're we're talking health of the fisheries you know biologists say and cory oakley came on before and he said usually anglers are are about a year or a two years ahead of the biologist when it comes to understanding the the health of the fishery, right? I mean, we have a different perception. you know, obviously they're doing data analytics and taking samples and stuff like that, but we get to see it in real life. Yeah. Uh, you being from North Carolina, you know, nor, uh, Norman being closest to you, outside of your busy elite schedule, which takes you all over the continent, um, if you have the time if you have had the time to fish in North Carolina, what have you noticed about our fisheries? over the past, let's say 10 years?
3: Well, fisheries in general cycle, right? It doesn't matter where you are in the country, what system it's on, what lake it's on, how it sets up, lake cycle. That's just, that's just nature, that's the way it works. Um, I have seen you take, uh, as far as the Carolinas or North Carolina specifically, let's just say South Carolina, look at Lake Murray. So Lake Murray, back when I was you know, a teenager, we won't say exactly how long ago that was, but it was a long time ago. It was ago. like eight years ago. Yeah, eight years ago, that's <laughs> right. Uh, and I fished in local bass clubs. You know, Murray was one of our regular destinations. It's two and a half hours from the house, mm-hmm. full of grass. You yeah. know, full of grass, full of giant bass, um, gizzard shad, threadfin being the primary forage, um, obviously crawfish and bluegill and things like that. But the shad made up the majority of the forage that back then. That lake has since done a full 180. It went from gra- full of grass to, no grass. Okay, when they introduced those sterile grass carp, and they basically took took all the grass out of the lake. Um, with herring, bluebacks introduced to the lake later on, and it becoming a crystal clear water herring dominated lake. And that lake is now. Some of the old-timers might argue with me, but that lake's as good as it's ever been. Um, now, there was a downswing when the grass kind of went away before the heron. There was kind of a transition period to where it took a, took a downturn as far as my experience and what I saw in the catch rates and things like that. Um, but there again, like when you talk about fishermen and catch rates, that's such a small sample. Like it, it's, it's hard unless, unless these, the, the guys like Corey and stuff, they go out and actually shock the lake. And tell you really what's there Um, our catch rates and what we see as fishermen are probably only one or two or three percent of what's actually in the lake so i don't even know if that's an accurate um you know an accurate um, assumption to 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 say hey this is what my buddies are doing and this is what's wrong with the lake or right with the lake but norman let's just jump over to norman real quick you know back in same time frame when i was fishing club tournaments it was all largemouth there were no spotted bass in the lake back then And if you caught five largemouth that weighed. 9 to 12 pounds, you won You won tournaments up there. Um, you know, the past few years, especially this time of year, which obviously this is peak season for big pre-spawn fish, there's tons of 15, even 20-plus pound bags of yeah. spotted bass coming out of Lake that. Norman now. That lake, to me, um, the quality, the, the water quality, you know, it's it's not supposed to be near as good as it was back in the day. It may be better. I don't know that. That's a biologist's question. But as far as the what I'm seeing from tournament anglers and what's being caught and what I've personally caught, the lake's in as good a shape as it's ever been in. Yep. So it, it's 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 every lake's a little bit different in, in how it cycles and the timing of the cycle. Seen spotted bass get introduced to Moss Lake, a lake that I grew up fishing. And three to five years after spots were introduced to that lake, we saw some of the biggest spotted bass bags that we've ever seen uh, in our immediate area. And then now it's kind of reverted back to where it seems like it seems like there's an overpopulation of spots, and the majority of them are cookie cutter thirteen to fifteen inches um you know so i I don't know if that's true or not. I just know that's what I see yeah um, and, and hopefully it cycles back to where you know we have a age class of fish that. Um, that is three to five pounds again in spots and we get to catch those giant spots again but and I don't know the explanation for that except maybe it's due to overpopulation and competition for forage because once you get too many fish in the lake and they're all competing for the for the same food source then uh, then I could see that stunt in their growth you know
2: along with water quality. You know? Yeah you're absolutely right you know we did an episode and a big topic of discussion with Corey was and hey sorry folks if you hear here in the background we're going to try to mute that out the best we can in the edited version but you know, that episode primarily was on, you know, uh, the health of the fisheries, but talking about Sharon Harris reservoir, which yeah. everybody knew back in the day was littered with hydrilla, which is technically an invasive aquatic species here. And so technically, technically, <laughs> right. You know, for, from our, our standpoint, you know, that is what grows That's big gold, bees, right? That's gold, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, you're absolutely right, and that's the reason why North Carolina is pushing to remove the slot limit in Sharon Harris because of exactly what you said. The overpopulation of one to ha- one and a half to two and a half pound bass are competing with those giants, and they are just far more aggressive right. over the same amount of forage that have, has all, always been there it's stunning the growth. And with that slot yeah. limits, it's really stunted the growth because, growth because a lot of people don't eat bass in general, but those who do, they can't because they're catching a lot of those fish that are in that 16 to 20 inch range that you couldn't even put in live well. So,
3: so they're wanting to remove some of that class fish. That's
2: absolutely yeah. right.
3: Well, that's like the spotted bass on Norman. They put a no limit on Norman, you know, catch all you want, keep all you want, no size limit, yada, yada, yada. But to your point, there's not enough guys out there that target bass to eat, yep. you know? So uh, I don't even know if that's making an impact at all. I'm sure it's probably not. Norman's too big and it's got too many dang spots yeah. in it to, to really uh, for that to make an impact. I mean, it's a good attempt. Um, but you know the biggest the biggest thing, and I ta- I've actually been on Corey his podcast they came to the house and we did one in the shop one time and we talked about you know i I talked about texas parks and wildlife and i you know they they i could see them kind of smart because it comes down to one thing it comes down to money money you know and and north carolina unfortunately we don't have the funding that you know texas or california or florida has to be able to do what we really need to do to our lakes Um, those guys are doing the best they can with what they have to work with and um, i know afco actually one of my sponsors gave a twenty five thousand dollar grant to uh to the north carolina wildlife fisheries and i think they they did a um, kind of a, 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 a cross experiment there to where they were looking at different states that really needed help and north carolina is one of them as far as money's concerned um you know the, our our wildlife department needs you know a lot more than they have to work with now
2: i agree and for you know everyone that gets really upset about paying like excise tax and taxes on things like you know, from Corey's perspective, it actually does go towards a good place, but it's such a small percentage, yep. you know, and they don't work off a huge operating budget. And unfortunately, that's exactly what we're talking about is the professionals speak the logistics and the amateurs speak the tactics. And we really need the logistics to support these fisheries. Yep. Um, one more serious question, then I'm going to ask you a couple of crazy ones. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to dominate no, here. You're good. You had, so, a, you had a line you wanted to go down. I'll hey, man, roll, so man, I'm a fire for effect here. That's so, right. uh <laughs> New guys coming into the elite series this year, young guns, uh, you know, knowledge gap is closed significantly with the with technology, with social media, with YouTube, all this stuff. Right. Um, What what are your thoughts on the new angler generation coming into the elites at the youngest they've ever been? And how does that translate to you and the way that you fish? If you're going to change anything, or
3: yeah, so I mean that's that's obviously like the biggest the biggest thing in the uh, in this biggest conversation the biggest trending conversation in our industry now is the uh, technology forward facing sonar yada yada yada. We don't have to go into all that because it's right. it's on every podcast yep. out there in the U.S. <laughs> and the we've, world we've right done now. A good job yeah, we've <laughs> actually
2: never had an episode about. Hey, it. I applaud y'all for that. Yeah, we, yeah we never had
3: one. Brian and I on our podcast we can't avoid it because the questions are coming yeah. in live and we're like, well, we got sixty seven questions about Ford faces that's sunrise. why i didn't say that specifically <laughs> I, I guess we should probably address one but no in all honesty the, the younger generation their access to information and the learning curve is so much smaller now than what it was when i was coming up and and what i mean by that i'm not saying those guys aren't great anglers they're phenomenal anglers but what they're having to learn is in a much smaller box than what i had to learn mean and what i mean by that Is I had to learn patterns. I had to get experience on these lakes. I had to learn instincts. I had to learn 75 different ways to catch them from a foot to 100 foot of water. Not that those guys don't have to learn that, but now with the domination of forward facing sonar and technology, they have a much smaller concentration area. So, in my opinion, I mean, and and you people can argue that, but that's how all our tournaments are being won now. You know, eight of eight of our nine last year were won with forward facing sonar. The only reason one of them wasn't because it was the Sabine River. Right. Uh, And and (laughs) my favorite this year, I predicted eight of the nine again will be one. The only one I predicted may not be one with forward-facing sonar was the Harris chain, but I'm going to retract that statement and say all nine of them are going to be one with forward-facing sonar again. So to answer your question, um, you know, the influx of the anglers and, and the advanced, how advanced they are based on what they where they need to be in the sport with electronics and how savvy they are with the new technology. That's uh, I mean, they're, they're above and beyond what we were when we first came in, because we had to actually go out there and, 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 and learn the patterns and learn the instincts and yeah. learn the, the fish movements. And they still have to understand fish movements as far as where they set up. But, but it's, it's just, it's just a smaller box. Like I say, it's just a smaller. So now they need eight or 10 techniques to pre- present these fish that they're seeing on four faces sonar. And they need to make sure these, excuse me, they set their boat down Around bass, sure. Um, but but from there, you know, it's uh it's not as much of, of running secondary windblown points with a you know, with a with a uh, whatever, a bladed jig or a crankbait anymore, because it's just you can still do well in tournaments like that. And people always say and we've talked about it on right. Like, well, there's John Cox. And I'm like, Yeah, okay, there's John Cox <laughs> and nobody only, else in the yeah. world has ever been a John yeah. Cox, yeah. just Name FYI. One other guy that's exactly. I'm like, that's that's comparing apples to oranges. You that's know, why so.
2: he's the only one ever referred in that exactly. context. <laughs> Well, there's John Cox. Well, who else? Yeah, exactly. Uh, crickets, exactly. Yeah.
3: yeah. There's a couple of guys that have had some success uh, staying shallow. They might win a tournament here and there. But um, you know, when we're fishing multiple day events, that's one of the biggest things. You you need to be fishing for some of the biggest population sure. of fish in the lake, and you have to be. Uh, um, you have to be a very versatile angler, but you also have to have fish to fall back on for four days in a yeah. row if you want a shot at winning the event. There's a lot of guys out there now that um, I've tried to embrace it because I know I have to there's some of the veterans out there, some older guys, I wouldn't name any names that, you know, kind of refuse to embrace it yeah, and sure. they're suffering
0: because of it.
2: Right.
3: Um,
0: some of them have been vocal Oh, well, that's out there. If anybody. Oh yeah, to yeah,
2: look,
3: absolutely. Like- and, and I, and I look, I, I completely, I don't disagree with them, yeah. but I'm like, are you just going to go down in flames or are you going to keep fishing professionally? So <laughs> right. like, I mean, you have a choice and as long as bass allows it, I'm going to use everything I can to, yeah. uh, to compete. Um, well, you'd
2: be stupid not to. Exactly. Right. You know, yeah. there's a lot of money really involved. Hurt yourself. But th- this is coming from trays and mouth, not mats, but you can't replace intuition with technology but you also have to learn technology and can't just rely on everything that you used to do. Right. So it's 100%. just adaptability, flexibility and being able to accept change. Yep. Right. That's just where it's at. So it's where our world's at. That's <laughs> There's well, lots you, of change. You, you ain't lying <laughs> on that one. a whole
3: other direction, but <laughs> all right. The fans
2: want to know what is Matt Aries favorite food?
3: You know I honestly
2: I, if you said like sushi I'm going to be like all right we're out here. <laughs> I get burnt out
3: on sushi as as you know if you follow us mm-hmm. on the road oh, yeah. Scott Martin not Canterbury his, Hollywood uh, right Yeah if, if yeah Hollywood <laughs> if, if we all make the cut um we have cut sushi day and, uh, but he, he would have cut sushi every day wow. if it was up to him. And and like, when we go to a sushi place, of course, all over the country where we go, you can imagine the variety of sushi bars. I, I into. So, some good, some bad, but, uh, we won't go there. on talk about how bad some of them are, but, um, he, he, he usually's not, in, uh, not shy about telling people that this place sucks or if yeah. it's really good. But, um, you know, I'm gonna go, we don't have this on the road, but one of my favorite, foods is a good good lamb chop
2: good lamb chop.
3: yeah i mean i'm not gonna say steak and all that like cliche like everybody sure. else but a good lamb chop man is hard to beat for me
2: that's hard to find I, in fact i can't remember the last time i had a good lamb chop in fact i think it was in another country yeah <laughs> i won't name the name of that country but it, it was it was there you sure uh, it was lamb we're gonna we're gonna give her a 90 country, we're gonna right? give her a 95 percent here okay all right good enough good enough awesome man well pete what do you got for matt
0: i just i'm gonna ask because i know everybody wants to know what event are you looking forward to most for 2024
3: you know i i've been asked this question a lot lately and it's not it's not one but it's two events back to back and it's 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 in florida i've been to both fisheries it's harris chain and, and st john's mm-hmm. now i'm excited about going to toledo bend because i've never fished a professional tournament on toledo bend. okay so i am excited about that there's gonna be giants called obviously oh, yeah. you know uh, but the reason i'm excited about going to florida in april is because my entire career ever since i started fishing professionally we've been to florida almost every year and yeah. that's where we typically start the season in february yep. in february january february maybe first of march but i've never been there that late when it's going to be More stable weather. Obviously, January, February, you don't know what you're going to get in Florida. I mean, it could be a you know 30 degree freeze, or it could be a 75 degrees and sunny. That's right, um, and everything in between. But April in Florida should be stable weather. Should be almost 100 percent postponed by then. Uh, The fish should be eaten. It's just going to be different. You know, it's going to be a a a different scenario than I've ever seen in Florida, and I'm excited about that. I do feel like the fish are going to bite really, really well, um, and there's going to be a couple great tournaments down there. So. Um, just because of the timing, I'm going to say Florida. Yeah.
2: Awesome. You think Scott's is that too? Martin? Yeah.
3: You know, it's funny because Florida's kind of been a thorn in his side yeah, a little that, bit. Isn't that weird year. how that works? It is. I mean, he, he did well at Okeechobee last year, but, um, you know, I think, uh, Harris chain, he's had some, some really good, he had a top 10 there last year. Uh, and then he had a, like a really bad one there before. And then St. John's has been all over the map for him, but Florida's that way for everybody yeah. As good. A Florida fisherman as Scott is. He's a testament to saying, "Look, you can like you can go down there and win the tournament one year, and uh, and and go down there next next year and finish dead last." Of course, Florida fisheries change so much due to the hurricanes and, yeah. and and weather um, weather patterns in the fall. It changes the grass, the location of the grass, and um, it changes the fishery from time to time. Okeechobee's a perfect example of of how much a lake can change in 365 days from one year to the next, just based on a if a hurricane came through or not. Yeah, you know? so
2: absolutely man well we are looking forward to watching you guys on the road i think you guys do an amazing job um yeah. i think it's on scott's is on scott's yeah, we got to give channel. all the credit to mccoy for that yeah yeah so you guys do a fantastic job some of the best videography that's out there i mean and he he hit it he hit it when it needed to be hit back in the FLW days, right? Starting that, right? Because yeah. timing is everything. 100%. And, and, uh, and I think one of the newest and probably most intelligent people in the business game coming up is Milliken, right? He did a really good job, like, working his way through. Mm-hmm. But he, he'll tell you, like, man, it's hard now in, in the YouTube days. So you guys do a really good job doing that. Uh, we're looking forward to you guys in 2024. Hopefully we can come to some yeah. events Uh but you know what? If not, I'll see you in 2025 for sure because I'll be retired, man. You know what I mean? So- <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. Sounds,
3: I, I may I may get run out of this game with all these young hammers coming in. Nah, man. man. I'd like to do it. I'm 42. I'd like to do it. You know, at least into my early 50s if I can stay competitive. So we'll, absolutely, we'll see. And good good sponsors make a big difference, and uh, I'm lucky to have a good team on my side. And, absolutely, uh, and, a, and a good wife at home, and that, and that makes a big deal too. So hopefully, we can get another another good 10 years out of yeah. it at least.
2: Yeah hey if you're doing it and it's fun it's not working man Matt Harry thank you for joining us for the last 20 minutes we appreciate your time we hope you have a great show here at Angler's Choice Marine in Martinsville Virginia we are sitting here with Corey Johnson and I had to look at his jersey because we always get the brothers mixed up man so we just met you today literally like five minutes ago we appreciate you jumping on and you're like yo keep it real let's talk some let's just ask away
4: right yeah open book let's uh whatever whatever works
2: dude what kind of kid were you in high school
4: man i was actually uh i was a pretty pretty calm kid um didn't get in a lot of trouble believe it or not um few instances but um like i grew up playing hockey and sports lacrosse all that so uh you know it was uh you know if i had a little anger i'd take it out doing that so I, i you know i was uh I wasn't a crazy kid but uh, I had some fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean when the you know like everybody when they when they hear a family name they're like oh you know the Thompsons or the Shandricks or whatever. When people hear the Johnston's besides the fishing cuz you guys have a pretty legacy fishing family up there. Um when somebody somebody that knows you and hears the last name like what what do you think the first thing that comes to their mind is? <laughs>
4: I, I think it probably depends on where you're at in the country um in your hometown in my hometown it's uh i mean probably fishing but um like i said my brother and i played hockey our whole lives chris is still playing senior a hockey right now and uh um you know we it's fishing and you know it's uh we're we're big into the hunting too so i think that's uh that's the other thing um we also own a a battery business back home okay um so we're kind of known for that around around the town as well
2: okay well what kind of battery business it's uh
4: it's a wholesale retail um just a little shop automotive marine industrial my old man's owned it for like 40 some years so um yeah it's uh just a you know, a little little family shop, and uh, been around for the the whole the city forever. So yeah. it's you know it's one of those staple places.
0: So, so I don't I don't I want to ask one question. I don't want to be cliche, but you know you're from Canada. You grew up playing hockey and fishing. Was there a time when you you looked more like you wanted to do hockey professionally? Was that ever like a goal of yours, or was it always fishing?
4: No, I mean I grew up in a bass boat, right? So you know I've always wanted to fish, but um you know, for a while, I, you know, I, I had a possibly a chance to, to maybe go and play hockey. Um, but I was, I was too stubborn. I had all the skills and, um, and I liked to fight way too much. Yep. Um, and, you know, when I got older, I just, you know, it was something that I enjoyed doing and, you know, it wasn't the right decision looking right. back on it. You know, I had, like I said, I had all the skills, had the hands and whatever. I just, you know i i didn't really take on that role like i should have and um and yeah fishing i mean fishing was always something that you know i always wanted to do so yeah. it uh you know it just kind of came natural
2: okay what dude you gotta okay because i grew up in a in a fighting family too and th- and listen we don't condone violence by any means let <laughs> me throw that out there as a disclaimer but there are certain professions such as ultimate fighting or hockey where there's an acceptable level of risk associated with that sport uh what is the worst injury you've ever sustained during a brawl on the Uh, ice man
4: i've honestly been really lucky you know i've you know lots of cuts and stuff like that nothing nothing major um that's really it honestly i've i've lost half of a tooth in my whole career so that's pretty good um yeah some you know never had a broken nose Uh uh-huh um got punched out one time couldn't see for a week um but you know nothing nothing really major okay well you know
2: we'll get it a little bit more exciting than for on the fishing side so have you ever been in a fight when fishing (laughs) not on the elite series (laughs) or anything like
4: that but uh no not while fishing yeah no but like being away at a tournament yeah 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 um i hang out with some little rough and rowdy crowd i guess you could say you know there's probably seven or eight of us on the elite series that we all kind of hang out and we'll have beers and whatnot and uh there's been a couple occasions where uh things have (laughs) heated up a little bit yeah when we're out having a beer for sure
2: So here's, here's a, here's a serious question. And I, and I actually appreciate that because I think, uh, you know, sometimes in order to learn, you have to build some scar tissue, right? Figuratively and literally. Um, but growing up in a competitive environment where maybe your, your butt got handed to you a little bit physically. Has that translated into being a competitor at the top level of bass fishing? Do you feel like For it's associated?
4: Sure. For sure it is. I mean, you know, you learn from your mistakes, right? It doesn't matter what you do. You know, when, when you're fishing and, uh, and, you know, you make a mental mistake and you're like, you know, that was really dumb. Yeah. You know, you learn from it. And when you go out and you do something stupid and you get your face punched in, you know, you learn from it. Yeah. So 100% it's, it's relatable.
2: Do you think some people just don't know what it's like to get their actual tooth knocked out? Hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like
4: everyone needs to one time, you know, just just because. Yeah. If you've never been drilled in yeah. the face, then you don't yeah. know. That's
2: right. Yeah, I mean, you know, we you got a lot of talk in the world, in the fishing world, which is a very small world about you know the generational gap closing as far as learning, but you also got a lot of people that are, and we we try to not expose any negativity because there's so much of it that we don't need to talk about it but do you in your opinion in your professional opinion the the youth that are coming up in the ranks in the fishing world do you believe that they're as emotionally tough is maybe the old guard or your generation or do you think they're more like emotionally just i don't know i, Man, don't,
4: I think they're soft
2: okay there you go like, you let's know, throw it out there yeah.
4: yeah they're soft it's uh it's a different world now man. yeah and, and honestly I got two young kids and like I'm worried the world that they're gonna grow yeah. up into man like you just you know they they get taught stuff at school where you're like really yeah the teachers yeah. are teaching you this yeah you know and um and I just you know I, I teach them the way that I would go about it and I'm not saying that that's the right way at all because you'll yeah. probably get them in trouble one day yeah <laughs> but um yeah. you know it's uh you know I just Teach them to be tough and you know yeah not, not be a a wimp yeah if that makes sense well
2: i you know i always say this to a lot of guys that you know either i'm a leader of or i've been associated with i i think a lot of times outside of the law uh which is great anyways but I don't really think there's a lot of right ways and wrong ways to do a lot of things. I think there's better ways and worse ways. And I think that's about the only way we can parent our children is, and I know we're not even talking fishing here, but it is associated with growing up in the fishing world, which is, should be tough. It should be competitive. You should want to be better than every single person around you, but you can't do that if you don't have the fundamentals growing up to do that. Right. And that's why you see people that get extremely emotional or they'll hide on social media and they'll just be negative. We don't want that. Like no, no, you got like, something to say, say it.
4: Hundred you know? percent. Like I'm the type of guy that if I have a problem, like I'll walk up to you and say it to you, I'm yep. not going to go on, you know, the internet and yeah, you know, message some dude and say, Hey, you know, I got a problem with you. Yeah. You you,
0: know? To build on that question. We hear a lot of times ethics and the way people act on the water and, and, some of those kind of unwritten rules that we all grew up around do you feel like some of that's lacking with some of the younger generation like they don't absolutely they don't feel the respect of giving space to other anglers and things like that
4: 100 percent. and i mean it's a game where we're all in it to make money sure you know and it doesn't matter if you know my buddies are out there and You know when we're on the water or we're on the ice like you know you're there to do a job yeah and i can respect that but you know in certain situations now a lot of these younger kids you know they never grew up with um i don't know what the right word for it is but they they lack the respect or they don't know awareness awareness yeah like and they're just you know they'll pull in they'll you know, they, they just do stuff that you know shouldn't be done. Sure. And, you know, they should know better, but at the same time, I feel like they haven't been taught the proper yeah. way.
2: Well, let's teach them real you quick. Know? And I, I'm glad that Pete brought that up because that was literally burning in my mind. We talk about the, the rules and then we mention the unwritten rules in your opinion. What are some of the most important unwritten rules and etiquette on the water, especially in a competitive environment?
4: Well, I mean, here's the deal is like with all the electronics now, everybody's going to find everything and there's something to be said for, you know, a guy that's found the spot, multiple people have found the spot. The first guy there, you know, he's the first guy there He's going to fish it. The second guy pulls up, you know, hey, man, listen, I found this spot too. You know, it's the first day of the tournament. You know, do you mind if I fish, you know, can I pull in? Can we both fish it? yeah no problem or hey listen I want to fish it give me an hour come back you know let me catch my limit yeah you know I I think that there needs to be more people that talk to each other on the water rather than just pull up right beside a guy and you know they start casting fighting you know and just more work together
2: kind of like a you see me seeing a little bit of a sense of entitlement sometimes right
4: for sure and I mean That's day one of the tournament. Day two, you know, the numbers flip. So that guy's going to get there first the next day. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're a dick and not going to let the guy fish or whatever, you know, it could bite you the next day. What goes around comes around. Absolutely.
2: I agree with that. I'm really glad that you're honest about that stuff. And I I don't think anybody that we've had on the show isn't honest. You know, there are some that like to keep it a little bit more PC and stuff like that, but that you you gotta be honest with yourself and you gotta be honest with those around you in order to garner respect. For sure. You know what I mean? So that, that's a huge deal. Um, what, did you have something, Pete? No, no. All right.
4: And you know, I I think to add on that, you know, there's certain people that uh that I would just pull up on and not talk to, them. Yeah. just because I don't have the respect for them because yeah. they've done something to me in the past. Yeah. But if you know I pulled up to someone and you know I respect them, they're they're good people. Yeah. You know I would say, hey, you know you fish it, I'll, I'll you know I'll come back later. Yeah. Okay. But certain certain situations I would just pull up. Yeah.
0: Certainly, so yeah. I think you talked about one. You didn't mention names, but I know there was one on Mercer's podcast you talked about just that. Like yeah. Yeah. And and I think. It's not just younger anglers. For our younger listeners, I don't want to isolate you and think it's just you. There's plenty of people that have been in this game for a long time that think that they're entitled to something because they have a name or or a reputation, whatever that is but just because you're whoever you are doesn't mean everybody has to respect you like right. you said you need to earn that respect and we've been lucky to, to build friendship with some guys on the, on the elites and other leagues and talk to them and it's amazing the number of people that won't even wave to the other elite guys just as they pass not like just give a wave and say hi yeah and, and it's kind of it's kind of disheartening but at the same time like I get it you're like you said everybody's there to try to make money. you're all there to do a job you don't have to be friends with everybody. Uh, but that, that respect, like you were talking about, it's got to be mutual and it has to be earned. You can't just, it shouldn't just be expected because of who you are. I think there's certain people that probably sure. get away with it. Like Bill Dance. Yeah. Everybody's going to respect
2: Bill Dance. Like. Or, uh, <laughs> or like your, uh, what was it? Rick Klon. I yeah. think Klon, someone else. Yeah. I think he'd be a black belt or something. Yeah, he is.
4: <laughs> so I got a funny story about Rick Klon. The, uh, the first elite series I ever fished was on the St. John's River. Yep. And uh, finished second. That was my brother. Oh, that, was, right. that was, I was your brother. I was like fifth or sixth or whatever. That's right. Oh, anyway. darn.
2: Yeah. So uh,
4: <laughs> I was fishing this stretch of docks, and uh, the first day I caught like 21 pounds off these docks. Day two, I uh, started on the docks, worked my way up, and uh, I get to the end of this little stretch, and Rick is coming down, and he had like maybe it was day three. I forget. But anyway, he was coming down these docks, and uh, I'd missed a fish on a dock so i you know have my poles down and he's coming down and he goes right between my boat and the dock and i'm like really really and he's like i was fishing here yesterday and so i said dude i've been fishing here the whole time you know i didn't see you like so we kind of got into her a little bit and um you know it was uh this uh, this is where i have so much respect for the guy because after he comes up he says hey man you know i got to apologize you know i didn't know that you were fishing there and i said i didn't know you were fishing there and um you know it's we're all all cool obviously i mean it's rick clunn right yeah so um that's where i have so much respect for the guy because he's yeah. like you know 70 something years old and he i mean he wasn't scared to tell me what he thought no because he's know? a black belt and absolutely he's a black belt i guarantee it you gotta get the old roundhouse in the chin yeah, <laughs> absolutely uh, but yeah, it, it was cool. He jokes about it still to this day. When we, when we that's talk cool, whatever, man. But yeah. But
0: that's yeah. a good way to wrap up what you're talking about. Like, you can have those little conflicts on the water, but then after the fact, after competition's done, you can get together and say, hey, I probably wasn't right. You might have had some fault there, too. It's all good. I apologize.
4: Like, yep.
2: Yeah. That's La- cool. So the, the last serious question I have for you, then I have some just random, random-ass questions, right? Fishing in the elites, you have an individual brand that you're building. You're also, you know, working for your sponsor's brand. You're working for Bass's brand. You're, you're just like all around, like just working for so many masters, right. To include yourself. Um, so then there's the competition part, how critical, and and you and your brother have been a team, right. But how critical in the elites is it to to work as a team, and can people get away with doing it as individuals?
4: Uh, I mean, one hundred percent, you can do it as an individual. Um, I think the important thing, if you were going to work together with someone as a team, is having a hundred percent trust. Yeah, and that's the hardest thing out there because you know, really in the back of your mind, you don't really know if they're being a hundred percent honest with you. Yeah. And uh, that's where Chris and I, you know, it, it works so good because, you know, we're the same person on the water, you know, yeah. we throw the same stuff, we fish the same way and that's all that we know. And, uh, you know, if he says I'm going into this pocket and he checked it, I know that I don't have to go in there because he, he checked it the same way I right. would. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it uh, if you have the right person, it can definitely benefit. Um, you can cover twice as much water twice as quick and uh it just helps to be able to break down new bodies of water quicker
2: have you ever have you seen households fall apart that used to travel with each other 100%. And that, yeah yep yeah and it, it's probably because of a lack of trust it right? is
4: and that, it, that's what it is every time
2: yeah have you ever considered taking polygraph machines with
4: you and asking each other <laughs> Well, if Chris lies to me i'll just i'll just I'll hurt him yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny I mean because you know we actually we had we had John on earlier uh in twenty twenty three John Cruz, and I think we asked him that question yeah, you know it was like how critical is a household and and you almost have to you know anytime you have a new household the senior of that household who's been doing it for a long time, you almost have to groom the rest of the anglers. Like this is how you be a house together. Yeah. This is how you share information. You don't share too much here. There's are certain areas where you share, because at the end of the day, we're still all competing against each other, right?
4: And, and like, when you say a house, like we stay with Matt Robertson, fighter. fighter. Yep. And uh, I mean, Chris and I will, you know, help them out a little bit if they need it. But for the most part, we don't share too much information right. with, with them and they don't share too much with us but you know if one of us is like hey guys you know like i'm i'm struggling can you throw me a bone then yeah we help each other out
2: is it because they have mullets
4: well yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, obviously (laughs) i mean
2: somebody said you can't trust somebody that don't drink but is it the mullets and, and you know it, it could be associated it with could that.
0: be the rusty hooks that matt, matt uses <laughs> and i'm hoping we get a chance to grab him because I, I gotta ask him about this yeah rusty. he's
4: so. not here today oh no, he's, he's not no he had to fly to chicago <laughs> chicago, oh, yeah, the oh, chicago no.
0: ship. i feel bad for him
2: now yeah Re- a <laughs> couple random questions growing up dude what was your favorite
4: band i can't really say that i had a favorite band like what remember, was your genre uh always pretty much country yeah like i'm a I'm like a northern hillbilly. Okay. If that okay. makes sense. Like, a new,
2: a new billy. Yeah. Okay, I like it. Yeah. Favorite beer?
4: Uh, Coors Light. Really? Michelob Altres.
2: Mickey's in in the mountains, huh? Yeah. Okay.
4: Not Bud Light.
2: Okay, so we're not going, so we're going to stick with like classy white trash beer. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, uh, same here. You know, <laughs> same here. Uh, Favorite food?
4: I got to say like a good steak. I like a good steak. A good steak.
2: Mm-hmm. What do you think Matt Aries was a few minutes ago?
4: cheeseburger no <laughs> <laughs> i don't know
2: it was a lamb chop really a good i, would, lamb I chop. wouldn't have guessed that right no. yeah i didn't i i don't think even i heard that word in the last 20 years lamb out. chop except for the show
4: yeah i, I wouldn't guess that it wouldn't favorite favorite
2: watch. show growing up
4: uh Besides i didn't the watch a ton of tv man like okay um it was it, when i watched tv it was like hunting or fishing Okay. Uh, watch the hockey games on tv yep. um but i wasn't one to sit around the television like i'd be outside you know chasing critters around when i was yeah, a yep. kid with bb guns and you know just being outside
2: okay personal best largemouth bass
4: uh 10 pounds hmm. even yeah on You're, the button it's like skin, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna say personal like like, on a tournament lake. I've probably caught a bigger one or two, yeah. like, on a private lake or something, but I don't yeah. count. Those. Yeah, they don't count.
2: All right, last one. PB brownfish, smallmouth.
4: Oh, I don't even know. Uh, Seven-something. Seven something. So, yeah, like, like just know. over seven, I would say. Awesome. Like, you've had a bunch of them where you're, like that's a nice one let it go you're like yeah I'm probably, probably. something yeah you know? probably gonna put that one yeah. on the scale yeah.
2: <laughs> M- last one last one i said last one last one mercer asked you to say what uh something about your brother that you know makes him so successful on the water what is the worst thing about your brother <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, what, the it, other spot what is
2: what is the pet peeve that drives you like i'll tell you mine right Mine about certain people I know what it is. I know what I it can't is. stand when people are crunching chips next
4: to me. That, so that deserves a I got big... two things. okay okay He is late for everything. Ah oh. that pisses me <laughs> like I mean like like so to the point anyway. where I leave him in the driveway to go to a tournament <laughs> like how hard is it to show up on time right? yeah so the other thing is and this is partially why he's late all the time. So when he was a kid, like grade four, he had uh, like an interception of the bowel and he had to get surgery, almost died. And uh, he stinks. Like, I mean, like unbearable. If he shits his pants, like, I mean, like I'm talking on a bus trip, on a hockey trip, like clear the bus. Wow. Like, I mean, it's foul. Unbearable. Foul.
2: I mean, you're going in the penalty box for that.
4: (laughs) <laughs> You're suspended <laughs> for the year. That, that, but, <laughs> but,
2: but he's good now, right? We can laugh no, about it. Oh,
4: oh yeah, no, he's yeah, still stinks, he's good. Oh, he's he stinks, good. but yeah. Oh. All right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Pete, you got any questions? No, nah, man. You nailed them all. You got any closing comments, man? I don't think so. Okay. Thanks, well, I,
4: thanks for having me. W-
2: what I appreciate, what we appreciate is the real conversation and uh, you taking 21 minutes and 20 seconds out of your time here at English no Choice Marine in Martinsville, Virginia. Folks, we are uh, we are going to wrap it up with Corey Johnson uh, from the Bassmaster Elite Series and all the other things he has going on. We wish you well in the 2024 season and beyond, brother.
4: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep.
2: All right, guys, welcome back to the OneCast. We just had Matt Arion and Corey Johnson. We appreciate those guys joining us. And we have the pleasure of having Mr. Marty Stone join us today here on the OneCast. We're up here at Martinsville, Virginia, and Angler's Choice Marine for their annual open house event. Correct. Um, so we just want to say, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we have a couple topics of to discussion. So if there, if you want us to get right into it, go ahead. Or if you got any opening comments, open it up.
1: No, I don't need any opening no. comments. I have a feel <laughs> we'll be knee deep into it before we get rolling. That's
2: right. I think everybody knows who you are, Marty. Uh, you just finished up working with major league fishing, correct?
1: yep that's correct and on october 13th 2023 which is a friday the 13th Ooh. which was my 58th birthday oh, really? major league fishing called me and told me my services were no longer needed mm, okay and so we've transitioned into the next phase and as i told a lot of people that if i'm half the man of faith i claim to be it caught me a little off guard but didn't catch god off guard yeah and uh we're cadillacking along we're i'm living up at curl lake now and i get to see that pretty lake every day and got a couple things in the works that we're going to be announcing here pretty soon for i've got plan b i've got the greatest job in the world i work for a and k dock service there at curl lake we install floating docks i've got two crews and these guys are phenomenal we're two years behind and uh actually 16 months when i started we we're two years behind and i'm on the lake but also now have capacity that I can do some other projects that I've always wanted to do that's going to be in and around the outdoor industry, not only fishing, but some hunting as well. Awesome. It's going to be found in, on the Instagram right now. An old guy getting in the Instagram, hey. MJS Outdoors, where you can find it at. But we've got some things here, that other things we're going to launch too.
2: Well, you know what? Now that you're honorably discharged from Major League Fishing, we're <laughs> going to roll ahead with the dock business. But we do have some questions for you. And first of all, before we start, you said Kerr Lake. Is it Kerr, Carr, or Bugs Island? Which one is
5: it?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And everybody look at it because most people don't even know the history of Bugs Island. Island. The reason it was Bugs Island is there's a little island below Bugs Island and people say from the era, it looks like Bugs Bunny. That, that's stinking things on Gaston. Yeah. So we're not even, we're not even on Carr or Kerr Lake when you say it. So when you go Bugs, the locals know it. And then whether you're a North Carolinian or a Virginia person, whether it's car or curve. Okay. So you should just say yes. And move on.
2: I got you. That's All right. right. Well, we're going to move on and say, get in those arguments. We're say <laughs> yes. So, you know, we are really adamant here on the one cast to educate and inform and continue building a culture of anglers, helping anglers one cast at a time. That's our motto. Right. Um, and a way to do that is to understand where we stand in, in North Carolina, but you know, across the country, uh, at large, but in North Carolina, you know, what we we've got the F one bass introduction, mm-hmm. Uh, We talked a little bit about that with Matt Airy, but I know that you were very integral in spearheading that program. So before we talk about all the other fisheries or the fisheries in North Carolina, what what are your thoughts on the F1 bass introduction and what do you think that's going to do for us?
1: Yeah, obviously myself, uh, Chuck Murray, Keith Joyce, we were kind of spearheaded this thing uh, of North Carolina anglers. Uh, for the F1 project in that. And you can find those online and throughout. And there were some other groups before us too. Uh, they were more lake specific. I think there was one or two other groups down at Lake Norman yep. that did that. But what I liked with what we were trying to do was the fact that it wasn't a, a, a lake specific, but it was more of a statewide deal. I've been around F1s forever uh, and forever. And the first introduction I ever had was the editor of Bassmaster Magazine, who's still there now, James Hall. He took me down to a lake in Alabama, and he said, come on, we gotta go down here and catch some of these fish, it's F1s. So I'm like, there's no difference between F1 and F15. Right. <laughs> but but I went down there, and all of a sudden, there's these three to five pound bass that we were catching. They were extremely aggressive, extremely strong, and even James called them, so that means they were dumb as a rock, oh, <laughs> okay? Well. So that was my first intro. Fast forward to now, today, Texas by far is leading the way with F1s and, and all that share lunker program they've got. Yep. Texas is normally 20 to 25 years ahead of the whole country, but the new buzzword now is an F1. And, and a lot of times it's the education of an F1. What is an F1? So in theory, here's what it's supposed to be. That bass is 50% Florida strain, meaning it can grow really big. The other 50% is a Northern fish, meaning it's really aggressive. So when you combine the two and form the F1, now you have a bass that grows really big and is aggressive. A lot of times with the Florida strain fish, it can grow really big, but it's very water temp sensitive. Sure. So it's not as aggressive. Now in F1, it's really big and it's really dumb. And so when, when biologists and fisheries management stock fish, you really, it's about the growth of the fish but more importantly it's about angling experience sure you put pure floridas in our area you're going to have some really big fish that won't bite yeah yeah well next thing you know our anglers as a whole are going to go well that didn't do any good i am not catching any more any bigger Right. right so now we did the intro so here's where north carolina state is where our north carolina state fisheries is at on that they've got committed for four years they're going to do this stocking program and they chose three lakes They chose Lake Norman, they chose Jordan Lake, and they chose Lake Gaston, and here's why they chose them. They did it based upon fertility. Lake Norman is considered a very low, fertile lake, and it's also infested with spots. and I'm not going to get you on my opinion of that. That's that's like talking Baptist and Methodist, Democrat (laughs) and Republican, right? (laughs) Everybody's got an opinion. Nobody wants to hear any of it. Um, I also do know, though, that our state fisheries are saying right now the creel limit on spots. There is no limit, there's no size restriction Yep. because they consider a the species if you're not careful. And I can give you examples of that, how to take over a lake. But anyway, yep. so we're putting F1s in Norman. We're gonna see after four years when they start doing the surveys, did it have an impact? Did we at least get some result from that? And if we did, how big did they grow? Is it gonna move the needle or not? And that way, if it does move the needle, then they can go to low fertile lakes throughout the state and possibly do some more enhancement, mm-hmm. right? So then we go to Lake Gaston, which is a mid-fertile lake. It's middle of the road. Some areas of it's fertile, some areas not. It has some spots in it, but not completely taken over. Again, what impact after four years will the F1s have on it? And, and the blueprint will be built. And then if the F1s are impactful, then our state can go to mid-fertile lakes and do additional stockings. And then obviously Jordan. Jordan's the cat's daddy, right? It's yeah. it's the most Biggins. fertile lake we have in there. I lost on that because I said, why fool with Jordan? I wanted him to put him in falls. Falls. And it's yeah. the same,
0: it was the same conversation we had
1: with yeah. why Jordan. I, I wanted uh, I wanted him in falls personally, but I obviously don't run the program. <laughs> Self- and it's closer to the house too. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's let's go ahead when you're self-serving, you admit it. Yeah. But Jordan's a super fertile lake. I really do believe in my mind within the next four to six years, we're going to break the state record because yeah. I've seen how these fish grow. I know it's going to be successful in Jordan. So they did this stocking. And then what we wanted to do, what our hope and goal was, was to create additional interest in funding. I had the goal of $300,000. We ended up with 30. I was disappointed. Others told me to be ecstatic. I envisioned that, 3,000 anglers in the state of North Carolina could all contribute annually, $100. I'm not asking for a lot here, Sure. okay? $300,000, and at the time, the state had a four to one matching program. That would have turned into 1.2 million to add to the additional stockings we had. We got 30,000, so it was $120,000 that they were able to fund for 2024, this upcoming year. And those fish cost 50 cent each. Okay. So we're adding 240,000. They were going to hit, we we agreed with the North Carolina State Fisheries that you're going to be a certain limit. In other words, if I did raise the 1.2 million or we North Carolina anglers raised the 1.2 million, they weren't going to put two 4. million fingerlings in those three lakes, right? Right. So we were going to take the additional money and start funding for our own hatcheries, okay. possibly down the road. Because right now we're at the mercy of other hatcheries, other pricing. So now we can control the number of fish and the pricing we had. That's the long-term vision. I still hope that this program as raising additional monies continues to take hold. But here's what I found out. Here's some limitations to it. Unfortunately, North Carolina anglers right now don't hold our North Carolina fisheries in high regard. They've seen a lot of mistakes. And our North Carolina fisheries got blamed for things that they shouldn't take the blame for, like spraying the grass at Sharon Harris. Yep. They had nothing to do with that.
0: Not to cut you off, but go back and listen to our episode with Corey Oakley, and he will explain exactly why that
1: grass isn't there anymore. Yep. Yep. So, not to blame. Now, and you mentioned Corey Oakley. I asked Corey Oakley, and I've yet to get a straight answer on this because I had so many anglers want this our envision our vision at first was everybody contribute to the state Mm -hmm. all right it's a statewide program More and more, I saw anglers hesitate because they couldn't contribute to their specific lake. And I'm like, okay. Then I want the state to give us permission to be able to. Trey, when you donate and you want it strictly for Jordan, that dollar amount goes strictly to Jordan. Right. When it goes to Pete, you want gas, then it goes to gas. And for my Lake Norman brother, when they want it just to Lake Norman, it goes for Lake Norman. If that's what, and overwhelmingly, that's what I heard the anglers say. I asked Corey last fall by an email, and I've never got a response yet. Let it. Can we do this? Yes or no? I just want to know yes or no. Yeah. I think it's one of the best things that's ever happened for our state. But the anglers have spoken. They will contribute, but I think they will contribute significantly more. And you know, that's going to become a contest. Right. Hey, Lake Norton. They they produced one hundred thousand dollars. Lake Norman, you're at ten thousand. Lake Gaston, you're at twenty. Yeah. If you really care about your lakes and you want to make it better, vote with your pocketbook.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think the and it's easier to measure data against that. It's going to show you where anglers, based on aggregate percentages, are focused on the health care of or the health of that fishery, right? Yeah. And you would definitely see that. Uh, you would see the margins across the state of North Carolina for sure. And it's
1: not that hard in today's world to keep up with that type of statistical data, right? Yeah. I'm waiting for the North Carolina fisheries to step up and say, yay or nay, we can do that. Because we're providing the private funding to them. We we can have a box in there that says, this donation goes for the whole whole state, or it goes for Jordan, or it goes for Gaston, Mm -hmm. or it goes for Norman. And here's what else we're going to find out. So Lake Norman, that's that's the hot button, right? Yeah. And I didn't realize I was the eaten by The spots. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if Lake Norman is it the vocal minority that's controlling the narrative, or is it the silent majority? And here's what I mean by that: if we find Lake Norman all of a sudden spikes in their contributions, that's anglers at Lake Norman saying. We want those darn F1s. We're tired of spots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay? They spoke with their pocketbook. Or a year later, Lake Norman is given very little funding to this. Then let's listen to the angle. Why introduce F1s where people don't want them? Yeah. Now, there's original concept, right? Sure. If, if, if that's what they don't want, because the last time I checked, our North Carolina fisheries is there to serve the fishermen.
2: About as close is it gets to saying your vote does count right
1: dollars count
2: dollars count
1: dollars count so i think if we were able and i wasn't for this at the beginning at the beginning i really wanted it to be whatever we raised we split it equally three ways but i talked to too many people that were hesitant or contributed less than they would have if we could earmark the lakes okay so let's put it in that let the anglers have a vote if they want to make gaston better and they feel strongly about the f1s they'll vote with their pocketbook if they want to make jordan better and and they want it, the F1s, they'll vote with their pocketbook. If they want to make Norman better and they want F1s, they'll vote with their pocketbook. And again, I'll go back. I'm picking on the Norman guys a little bit. But if they don't want the F1s and any other lake for that matter, then we'll know from the pocketbook contributions. Yes. And then the state should be flexible enough to go, they don't want it why are we putting them where else can we find a non-fertile lake that we could put this stocking at you sure know? surely in north carolina it's not going to be that hard to find a non-fertile lake <laughs> that's why? true wiley uh, yeah 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 well Heiko?
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. there we go yeah. yeah Heiko's a great one so i'm going to coin this term i don't i actually don't know uh and i did we did donate we donated money uh to the as, F- I as well right so but i'm going to say if if anglers want to get on board to supporting Operation Basszilla, right? Because yeah, we're trying right. to yeah. grow big aggressive bass. <laughs> They're dumb. Uh, where, where, and dumb, dumb, bad, dumb bad, big, big aggra- dumb aggressive. Yeah. Bass. <laughs> so Operation Basszilla, uh, coined by us, right? Uh, where can they go to support this?
1: Yeah, North Carolina anglers. North Carolina anglers. Now y'all got me on the spot. Here. That's okay. okay remember, we'll put the link no, no, in. I'll no, put the, I put I've had the
2: link in our description before. I'll put in it in back the in there.
1: Now, I'm a week without <laughs> looking at it. Bass anglers for North Carolina lakes. There we go. I think that's the simplest way to be able to find it.
2: Bass anglers for North Carolina lakes. Right. Okay. So speaking on the lakes. Yep. In totality. So we were talking about fertility or nutrient rich or lack thereof lakes. What about... From your perspective, because you traveled around yep. so much around the country with Major League Fishing, um, and actually the Bass Pro Tour is coming to our neck of the woods in 2024, going to the Roanoke River, we'll see how many lower units they go through. You're welcome. But, <laughs> well, I, we were pretty. It was pretty <laughs> obvious. Like, oh, I wonder who made that decision, right, or influenced really that influence. decision? Did they
5: going? fire me? <laughs> 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 Gee,
2: thanks. So, so. Uh,
1: oh, it was called Call too, by the
2: way. Oh, okay, yeah. that okay. Was,
1: that's that's
0: <laughs> always that's always the nice yeah, one. Yeah. That was fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, honorably discharged.
0: Yeah, uh, I like that. I'm so, there. there you go.
2: So in your perspective, in your opinion, the total North Carolina approach to our fisheries, what what are we looking like from your history of growing up in North Carolina from Fayette or Fayetteville as we yep. call it? Yep. Right. What what does it look like now?
1: Man, that's, that's a really good and fair question. And, and I can't, our North Carolina fisheries, they, they operate, our, our fisheries management program or department, they operate on such a fraction of a budget compared to Texas, right? Yeah. Um, so for me to sit here and just beat them up would be the easiest thing to do. Anybody can take the low hanging fruit. I think they do a pretty good job with what they've got to work with. And I will say this as well, if just with a little bit of managing things from a 30,000-foot view and not being so focused on where the masses are not fishing, a.k.a. walleye, a.k.a. some type of saltwater fish down at the coast that nobody's ever heard of or or (laughs) something, because they told me at one time 40% of their budget's generated from bass fishing. Okay, 40% of your budget's generated from bass fishermen, then make bass fishermen the focal point. All right. I said all that to say that. I, I, can't,
0: so uh, I, I can't argue because you're right. There's a lot of focus on trout in the West. There's a lot of focus on walleye coming back. And there's not a lot of focus on bettering our bass fisheries outside of this this F1 attempt and a little bit of trying to put some grasses back in, but... I think you. I think you hit the nail on the head with that.
1: It, it did it the politically correct nice way. Well, you just want to dagger. And, and look at this boat show. How many Wawa boats you see? Uh,
2: like I don't know three, but I don't know. It looks like they've been. Those here are right like well. ski boats. <laughs> yeah. But
1: so okay, but, <laughs> but
0: you know,
2: let me. You, oh, go ahead. So, go
1: the overall health of our fisheries. Yeah. I think we've got some really good fisheries. I, I really do. High Rock to me is one of the best in the country. I wanted redcrest there, so we took our Super Bowl to the Pullet Bowl, but that's another conversation. Um, I felt it was better served at High Rock because of the fish they are catching. The Chowan River is on fire. Let's give our North Carolina fisheries management team a shout-out on that because those rivers got decimated yep. during all those hurricanes. That's right. And they all worked hard. They worked tirelessly. There was multitude of restocking programs that happened. And now it's where it's at, and I think the Choan River is going to be. I've got some people that have mixed feelings about us being there. Some people are ecstatic that we're going to put it on the map. Some people hate me because we're going to put it on the I, map.
0: I'm one of those mixed feeling. Guys. Yeah, <laughs> all right. you're the same guy
1: that sent me a nasty text. And the first I, time I, ever did
2: tour. I misspoke earlier. I said Roanoke, but it, it actually says Choan on the schedule, yep. right? Yeah, yeah,
1: but it's Roanoke. But all they all connect. Right. It's, it's all... just like when we went to on the Bass Pro Tour. And we come to Jordan Sharon Harrison Falls the first time, and man, I'll never forget me and Chad Key. We were walking through the parking lot the day before the event because that's when we were doing stuff on site. Mm-hmm. And half the anglers like, I can't believe you did this. Stuff. <laughs> this place sucks. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be so. It's like seven foot up in the bushes. Yeah. And yep. Chad's like, man, you're taking it on chin. I'm like, hold on, big guy.
0: Hold on,
3: bud.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm writing all these names down, and I did. Yeah, I wrote yeah. them all down. It told me what an idiot I was from bringing them there. And then Kelly Jordan catches 88 pounds the first day. And then I got another group. So my friends from North Carolina blowing me up on the phone, go, man, I can't believe you showed the world what this <laughs> place. So I got people on the Bass Pro Tour that hate me because we went there because they said they weren't going to catch them until they got their first score tracker update. Yeah. The first piece is like seven pounds. Yeah. Then I got the locals hating me because I showed the world and then nobody could get on the ramp for two hours the prior year. That's right. Those are good fish Yeah. Sharon Harris, Jordan Falls, I'll put them against anybody, any time. Gaston and Kerr are still good tournament lakes. Yeah. Kerr, you can spread out. and cycling down, but we all know it, it comes to go. Kerr Lake is a perfect lake for f one Yeah. Now, and I'm not saying because I'm living in the shores of Grassy, but if you're wondering where to put them, put them in Grassy Creek. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and and see, here's something I didn't know either. I know I'm digressing. No, you're Did good. you guys realize, and I didn't know Gaston is managed exclusively by our North Carolina of fisheries Even, department okay and Kerr is managed exclusively by virginia
2: i did not, I did know, not that. know that i, no. I didn't
1: need it until we were through this whole process so when i found that out obviously i'm calling the guys in virginia going hey how about deaf ones in Kerr?" and they're like yeah. we got to wait to see what the data looks like in smith mountain lake i'm like look at the last six years of right <laughs> it was, yeah, I'll show you. I, I don't need electric yeah. Sur- yeah. electronic yeah. survey to show yeah. me what it is. It would work. Yeah. It would absolutely. But I didn't know there was a separation. Yeah. So Virginia and North Carolina got together and said, "North Carolina, you take care of Gaston. Virginia, you take care of Kerr." And that's why we got the F ones on Gaston yeah. because North Now it's it's policed, patrolled by both North Carolina yeah. and Virginia. Because I think I've gotten a ticket from both sides of the field there. <laughs> um, I- Hypothetically speaking. Um, but we have got some really good fisheries we do baden tuckertown tillery god forbid there ever gets a spot in there
2: Mm. what do you mean the spot where
1: yeah tillery already there they're already there yeah and that's and and you know what here here's what i'm going to say on that too without taking a complete side and here's where corey and the rest of the guys got it right I'm not a biologist. I'm going to go out on the limb and say, you two are not a biologist. Nope. Let's quit pretending like we are and quit transporting fish yep. to where they don't belong because now we're giving our North Carolina Fisheries Department, that's already strapped for people and resources, now we're throwing another element in there that they've got to account for as they try to design their long term plans. If your lake's got them, great. You love them great talking about spots leave them the crap where they are and yeah. quit putting them in your live and yep. transporting the darn things and now introducing a whole nother element into our fisheries yeah. that we don't need we got to
0: stop the bucket biology yeah it's got to yeah. stop so
1: i mean if, if you're a, a big spot great enjoy it go to go to the go to lanier <laughs> That's a success story. Yeah. Too. And if as you're transporting the stupid things, also realize this now, Corey, like this is not biologically proven. It, spots to be successful, they're gonna have bluebacks. Yeah. they gotta have blue backs. Yeah. tuckertown Town, bait, tilly don't have blue backs. Right. So them things are gonna eat something and it's gonna be fast fry. Yeah. That's so right. we're going to, we're going to turn it the other way, Yeah, but it, yeah. There, there's my soapbox. I'm sure y'all get no, a lot uh, of wonderful comments after that. Yeah, uh, you're good.
2: I mean, it's totally fine. Like we want the truth, you know, we want, and, and everybody's opinion is their version of their truth. And, and Corey is very much in line with exactly what you said. Like the reason the, the spots are in the lakes they're in is no other reason than people transporting them there. Right now you have introduced a new species competing in the same ecosystem as the native species. That's a problem, right? It's going to change things. We don't know if it's going to change it for the worse or better, but eh, Probably we're trending lakes. down uh, with some of those lakes. So your perspective is very important because, you know, anglers, from what the biologist said, are usually a year to two years ahead of the biologist in knowing what the fisher fisheries look like, you know? Yeah.
1: And and when I'm talking to those guys over there, too, and and they were adamant about if we if all they did was dedicate 724 to spot management using all their resources, they can't manage it. So they're they're asking the fishermen to manage it. And the management is there's no crew limit. There's no size restriction. And from what I hear, they're really good eating. It's people have to understand. I I love to deer hunt in Texas. Yeah. And I love these high fences because I just that's why I like to hunt. Yeah. Okay. Good, bad or indifferent. Lakes are under high fences. They only have a certain amount of capacity.
2: That's right. And a
1: certain amount of fish they can support. When we add that additional fish that is prolific as a spot, and it has been shown time and time again, and I can give you example after example in a lake, they will breed the largemouth and smallmouth completely out of the population, and they will move them completely in the back of the creeks. People don't, most people don't realize that when two largemouth or two smallmouth are on the bed, a male spot, he's the only one that does this, has the ability to go by and spray the eggs. Really? Yes. That is a scientific proven fact, not only from Corey, but I've heard it from multiple biologists who I respect greatly. So they'll do what they call spraying the eggs. That's how you create mean mouth. You've heard people yep. talk yeah. about smallmouth spot. Yeah. That's what it is. It's that spot. Like coming James. By. And and so people are like, how do you breed small mouth completely out of there? With well, that spot sprays those eggs enough Eventually, the dominant that smallmouth fish will eventually die and get old. And if all its eggs have been sprayed and it's got a smallmouth spot combination, then you're going to end up with a lake full of spots or mean mouth. Yep. And that's Lake James.
2: That's exactly what's happening. It has
1: no. Significant population yep. of smallmouth left. I think Corey,
0: when we had him on last year, early last year, he said they haven't had a hundred percent smallmouth DNA test in Lake James in like four years, right? In their shock surge, So
2: yeah, I, I think it's important. You know, like I said, we we want to educate and inform everybody. You know, if if you're if you're serious about protecting our resources and making sure that our kids, our grandchildren, can continue to go out and have fun, you know, maybe catch a basszilla or something like that, you're going to take this stuff seriously. So so, appreciate their perspective on that. I do have one question for you. It's not related to North Carolina, but oh, now. Oh, boy, here but, we go. But now na- we're going to get into the. No, good. no, 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 <laughs> no. This is a good one. Now that you're not necessarily traveling all over the continent, are you finding more time to fish?
1: You know, that's a, a fair question and a good question. So, I am blessed beyond belief uh, at, with English Choice. And this is a shameless plug, but it's also true. I, I ran a boat out of this dealership 35 of the 40 years i've ever owned one yeah that shows how old i am for one and and every boat i've sold in the last four years has left in 50 hours on it Wow. I mean, it's the live wheels, and this last one's not even broken yet, which people will argue that in the last four years I fished tournaments, my live wheels weren't broken in anyway because I didn't use them that much. <laughs> but this year I do plan yeah. to fish more. I absolutely, because I don't have the strain of being gone all the time. Right. Uh, I'm going to fish some Angler Choice team events with my son. That's fantastic. Uh, we got four that we're going to do at Kerr. I'm going to get into some ABAs. I think they're heading in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. They've got a couple really cool things going on, and I'm looking at a couple cat trails as well. Cool. So, but my rule of thumb is going to be if I can't sleep in my own bed at night, because I'm living in the shores of Kerr. I don't want to do it. I want to fish now because I want to, when I want to, not because I have to. That's right. And I'm excited. I'm excited for the first time in a long time that I'm going to get to go donate my money on a regular basis to the people in these local team trips. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm getting ready to. I'm getting ready to knock the dust off the rods and go out there and tell everybody how bad I really was.
2: Well, you're probably going to see our ugly faces around uh, the area. Um, and and we look forward to seeing you on the water as well in, in 2024 and beyond before I jump off, Pete, what do you got from Marty?
4: Uh, you
0: got, we nailed it. We covered what I wanted to talk about with Marty. I think it's important. We get the information out there for the F1 programs and, and get more than just a biologist side and, and, and what we're trying to do. So uh, if you do listen, Corey, we love you. You're a friend of the show, but hopefully our listeners blow your email up and let him know if if designating the funds to a specific lake is what you want to see and will help you donate to this cause. Shoot, Corey, shoot the you know Wildlife Resource Commission an email and let them know. Hey, we we're glad to donate to this cause and help the state, but we want to be able to appropriate those funds to to the lake that we want them to go to.
2: Yeah,
1: well, well said. And, and here's even if they get the word, they say we can't do that. Let's remember this. It's for the overall good of the lake. Yep. Sure. This is this was a start. I was disappointed because we only raised $30,000. And I should probably be, you know, half empty, half full. I should be grateful. For the ones that did participate and did donate, like yourself, myself, yeah, and others, okay. thank you. Thank you. For the ones that are on the fence, okay, get off the fence. Even if I, we can't get it where you can donate your specific lake, it's for the betterment Because if this program is successful... And we participate heavily, then we can expand it throughout the state. And here's what I'll also caution. Corey and his group allowed us, for the first time that I ever know of, to work on a statewide project in conjunction with them. Now, there's those in Lake Norman. oh, we did it years ago. That was lake-specific. It was, and I commend those people for doing it. it. It didn't gain a lot of traction, but it did happen. They were the first. They were the unique. What we were wanting to do, what we're wanting to do is to do a statewide project that can continue in longevity. Uh, And if we anglers don't vote with our pocketbook, After four years, the state's going to go, it really wasn't that important. Yeah. So we're back to trout and walleye, which I have nothing against either. I think both taste very good. All right? But I'm selfish. I'm looking at all these boats. I'm looking at all these kids. I'm looking at all the pressure we have on our lakes. We have more pressure than ever now. Our lakes cannot sustain it. And if they can't sustain it, then how are we going to supplement it? So whether you agree, whether it should be your lake specific or the overall program, when you vote by not contributing, you're also voting for the long-term failure of the sustainability of this program. And to me, I'm old enough, it's not going to matter, right? But for my kids 10, 15, 20 years down the road, if we're the foundation and the continuation of this, where it can expand right. throughout the state, we better vote right here and right now. I don't care where you stand on the fence spotlights. Right. I think we will all agree that our North Carolina lakes, as all the other lakes in the country, need some help.
2: Yep. Needs help.
1: Vote. Yep. vote by writing that check. It's going to go for a good cause, and then we'll let the details work themselves out. I'm going to be the proponent going to let the anglers vote for the specific lakes. The state might push back and go, we can't do that. At the end of the day, we both want the same thing. We want our lake better. We want to grow bigger fish, and we want to grow bigger fish that are more aggressive. That enhances the angler experience for each and every angler that's on the water
2: yeah God, i could listen to you preach forever marty i, I appreciate I it i love it but Sermon you
1: know, starts tomorrow and hey, i tell you
2: what you know um i know uh time is precious uh, we really appreciate you jumping on here and providing those words uh to all of our viewers we uh, we have a motto here which is to continue to build a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time folks you heard it from mr marty stone himself get out there put your pocketbook where your mouth is and make some change make our make our fisheries better thank you so much marty thanks
1: Guys,
2: we had great guests on today here in Martinsville, Virginia, Angler's Choice Marine annual open house. What an amazing event! I, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to Mr. Hal Abshire. He extended this invitation to us, and you guys saw Hal on the show earlier this season. Actually, he was our first uh, show of 2024. So, a huge thank you to Hal Abshire, a huge thank you to Marty Stone, Matt Airy, Corey Johnson that took the time to sit down with us today. But I, I couldn't think of a better and more fitting way to close this show out than by having the man himself, Mr. Randy Carter from Angler's Choice Marine, uh, sit down and close this conversation out. So Randy, you've been running around all day with your head cut off because you know how it is logistically speaking. These are really big events and stuff, but how do you think the event went and what does this event mean for Angler's Choice?
5: First off, thanks for letting me be here. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. Uh, Our event every year, You know, it draws sales to us. It draws retail sales. You know, it's a a big part of our yearly business. Plus the goodwill that we promote here and all you saw, all the people today, plus the the A-list of professionals and guests you've had today, Mm -hmm. uh, you had quite a few good ones. So, uh, But it all helps in the, the umbrella of our three dealerships to draw sales to us later in the year. And the most important thing to Nick and Sandy is just the fellowship of it and the goodwill that it creates. So we just enjoy doing it. It's always a big task, but we've got a good crew behind us in all three dealerships, so it always manages to be a success, and we're, we're really happy with it, especially this year. This has been one of our bigger shows.
2: That's absolutely correct, and you know we talk about it with our viewers all the time. There's no better way to develop relationships in the industry and really kind of understand what it's all about until you go to trade shows and open houses, expos, things like that, maybe even to a tournament. Um You know, you guys had a really unique setup this season or this year. Um, You had this roundtable discussion that was hosted by Hal Abshire, but it had the professional anglers in a horseshoe formation, and they got to create a lot of dialogue um, from your customers and and your viewers, and you have fans as anglers choice. How important was that for the interaction with the crowd, with the professional anglers?
5: It's uh, the most important thing. When you get those guys that represent the the industry and the the sport part of it to face to face with guys and the people in the crowd and especially the young folks that were here today our high school teams things like that that's the future of our sport absolutely. right there. So uh, having them interact with the crowd and all these folks, and just it just builds excitement. It, it builds uh, anticipation in these guys that want to get out on the water. And that's, that's going to benefit us all in the long run. So that, that is tomorrow's fisherman.
2: So. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we always talk on this show, our motto is to continue to create a culture of anglers, helping anglers one cast at a time. These trade shows, these open houses, these interactions, that's exactly what happens. So let's not forget about the other folks that are are part of the equation here. You had a whole slew of vendors yes, sir. Uh, that brought their product to, uh, it's almost like bringing the cow to market, right? Like that's they exactly brought their, right. so your vendors, how do you guys go about choosing them or is it open to any vendors?
5: We are open to anybody. As you saw today, we try to bring a, a mixture of things because fishermen bring their wives and wives bring the kids. That's so right. We have to have something for everybody. Uh, Without the vendors, we'd have no show. That's just as simple as that. And, you know, we charge no booth fees, nothing to our vendors. We just appreciate them coming. We try to take care of them. We do have our Angler's Choice Youth Fishing Foundation, which they do. We ask donations to that, whether it's small, medium, large, whatever they can afford to give we just we take that money we disperse it through our community to our high school fishing teams equipment entry fees travel expense things like that so we try to take this show what everything that we can collect and create with this show we try to pass it along to support those folks and keep them up in fishing and keep them coming up through the ranks and that's future you know future sales for us and and everything else so it works good for everybody
2: i i agree and so you know we have the professional anglers here we have the vendors here we have the MCs that that control the the narrative and and send the message to the people, um, but you know professional speak logistics and amateur speak tactics. When it comes to the the logistics, like yourself and all your staff here, you know you got to have a lot of gratitude and give a lot of thanks to those guys because I'm here looking around and you folks that are listening to this, you can't see, but there are a ton of boats. There's a ton of tackle, a lot of product in here, and there's a lot of moving pieces. So how critical was your logistics team in making this happen?
5: That's uh, the most important part of it. If you didn't, if we didn't have the support of our staff and, you know, it doesn't look like a lot when you walk through it on saturday but a lot of preparation has went into this a lot of uh, you know just menial tasks cleaning boats moving stuff around and setting st- setting things up and without the support staff it wouldn't happen i i, I kind of take the lead of this every year and just kind of make sure things happen but if there were no crew to support there would be no shows so that's, that's absolutely sure. right and also the most important thing of today is the visitors that came in to see us all the people the patrons uh, that came out and I, I would venture a guess we probably had close to probably 13 to 1500 folks come through here today and Half of that yesterday. So without those folks coming in, you you know you can have all the prep in the world, but you don't have no show without people coming to see you. So we appreciate everything. That's why we do the food in the back, the hot dogs and things like that, and our appreciation dinner last night. Which you guys were you weren't here for that. No, we only got hate up for that, today. Hate that you didn't weren't here for it, but it was a it was a good night. We had live music, uh, about a hundred and probably fifty folks here. Our vendors, professionals, our staff, everything else. Yeah. So sorry about that. That's no, that. no. i that's
2: fine. We're gonna try to we're gonna try our best to drown that audio out for the fans. But if you can just hang in there, you're gonna hear a lot of good content. You know, Angler's Choice, Martinsville, Virginia. But give us a little bit more than that. You have three locations, correct?
5: Yes, sir. We have uh, Martinsville, Virginia. Here we have Lexington, North Carolina, and Spindale, North Carolina. Now we had our open house in Lexington last week, um, and it was a good show as well. Uh, Tim Pope is our general manager down there. Him and his crew done a fantastic job. A lot of our vendors, well, I'm not going to say a lot, but quite a few do all three shows with us. So, you know, we, we depend on those folks as well. And Spindale is coming up next week, uh, February, I forget the second and third, I think the date's up. Okay. Um, but next weekend uh, in Spindale, North Carolina, uh, Hank Parker is going to be down there. A lot of other professionals. So, uh, you know, if you haven't got to come to Lexington or Martinsville, by all means, you can catch Spindale. That's right. Experience the show. Bring the kids out. We're going to have kids activities and whatnot. So it's going to be a good weekend. It's a busy month for us. but. We look, forward to, we look forward to it every year, just because of meeting folks such as yourself, you know, you guys have been here with us, all these folks, the professionals, it's just a really good time for everybody.
2: So, so folks, you heard it. There's three different locations that you guys can, can check out Angler's Choice Marine at, can, where can they find you guys online?
5: They can go to www.anglerschoicemarine.com. All of our is on there. All of our dealerships are listed. Uh, we also have our online tackle store, okay, uh, which we have links to that, which that's done really well for us. And and as you can see, we have a fully stocked retail store here in Martinsville. Uh, Spindell and Lexington have uh, not quite as much as we do, but they do have a selection down there. But uh, so it's 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 going to be exciting all the way around.
2: And then this is a, an event that you host annually, correct? Yes, sir. So for a vendor, if I'm a vendor looking to come and, and set up a booth here and sell my product or market what my services, uh, how do they make that happen?
5: All they have to do is they can contact myself. I kind of have... Uh, something with all three of them, or they can contact the individual store, but they can reach out to us via email, on phone, whatever. Uh, All they have to do is let us know they're interested in coming, and we will welcome them with open arms.
2: And that, something a little bit unique about that, and correct me if I'm wrong, vendors attending these shows, there's no fee associated with them setting a booth up, or, or there is?
5: No, sir. No fee whatsoever. We don't charge. The only thing, as I mentioned earlier, that we would ask is either... Donate a small door prize or just a donation to our fishing foundation?
2: That's very different than you typically see with a lot of expos and fishing shows is you pay for booth space. So vendors, if you're listening, if you make a product, a quality product for the fishing or outdoor industry, or not even, it could be non-endemic to the fishing industry, Angler's Choice Marine probably has you covered. Randy talked about it. Reach out to him. Last question I had for you is, You talked about the in-store tackle. You talked about the online tackle. But what are the products that you carry as far as watercraft are concerned?
5: As far as you mean like accessories for boats? Vessels, yeah. Uh, I'd love to list it all for you, but it would be impossible. Anything you could put, anything you could possibly... I'm going to stop just a second. Let that... Anything you can. <laughs> it's all right, folks. Um, be
2: patient with us. Yeah, my apologies.
5: No, you're uh, good. There's a lot going on, but anything one that you can put on a boat, we can pretty much do. Okay. Um, now, when you get into the bigger stuff like uh, stoves, sinks, like on the yachts, we don't do that. Yeah. Bass boats, uh, center consoles, skiffs, we can pretty much rig anything that needs to be put on one. Yeah. Uh, jack plates, electronics. Uh, trolling motors, aftermarket accessories such as BBT mounts, uh, things like that. Okay. Just Rig, it was one of our vendors. They they do some uh, quality uh, stuff that you can install depth finders. They have trolling motor cable clips. A lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of options that you can go on. You know, anybody can go online and see what's That's available, um, or call us. Our parts department, all of our parts managers, are, are help people every day with stuff like that. In our service departments, if you have a question, you don't know what might work best for you, give us a call. and we'll talk with you about it see what how you what you fish how you fish the depth you fish and that goes a lot to what you might want to put on your boat as far as depth finders things like that so it's, it can be a confusing thing but we're here to help you navigate the waters and we'd love for anybody to reach out to us anytime via phone or walk in and we're here for you so
2: randy we really appreciate you uh extending the invitation up you know how was very critical in this i think this is something that we may look at doing annually because we got to meet Everybody. you a lot of great yeah. people um yeah. you uh folks you heard it you can go to www.anglerschoice marine.com you can look at all three different locations or online tackle in store all the boating and accessories that go along with it and then on your website last question do you post those events as they get ready to happen the annual events
5: yes okay we we start uh, at least probably at least a month before each event doing our advertising things like that and also i forgot to mention and trent would not let me live it down In addition to anglerschoicemarine.com, acmtackle.com. That's our online tackle store. A lot of good product and merchandise on there, good pricing. So visit anglerschoicemarine.com and visit acmtackle.com.
2: Randy, we really appreciate you having us up here. You're a part of the industry, a big part of the industry, the logistics that we talk about, which is more important than a lot of things, and people don't, uh, they don't, they take it for granted sometimes, and we really appreciate it. Um, let's continue to build a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time, that's man. What,
5: that's what it's all about. And let me say thank you to you guys for coming all this way to do this. You were a valuable part of it, and we appreciate you. And I know all your listeners value you and that you do a great job with
2: it. All right. Appreciate it. We'll see you on the next episode.
5: Yes, sir. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God. oh, God. It's
1: a toad. To no. It's a f- <laughs> tobe, dude. Let's go.
3: I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day.